doing what God calls us to do is like breathing life into our faith. If we don't actively inhale the Spirit of God, our faith will die. Doing what God calls us to do is like breathing life into our faith. And if we don't actively inhale the Spirit of God, our faith will die. James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters... If you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Now, we believe in saved by grace, right, through faith. We don't believe we can earn salvation to God. Scripture doesn't say that. But there's an important part of of faith. And what James is kind of getting into, he's saying, what kind of faith do we have? What kind of faith do we really have in Christ? See, there's, there's true faith in Christ, as Christ has called us to. And then there's a different kind. So saying you are something, for example, saying you are something is not the same as being something. That's what James is kind of saying here. So I can say I like to fish. I can call myself an angler, a, f- a fisherman, right? But if I actually don't go out and fish, am I a fisherman? No, we call those wannabes, right? We we have people all over the state walking around with with shirts with numbers on them and matching colors. And they say, we won that game. No. The people paying big bucks in Green Bay, they won the game, or didn't win the game, I guess, this year. Um, It's funny how no one says, we lost that game. It's like, yeah, the Packers lost when they win. We won. It's funny how that works. It's kind of what what James is using as an example. He says, if you have faith, but don't show it by your actions, if you're not living out the faith, can that kind of faith save anyone? Because, see, Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to save us from the self-destructive nature that we were born into. And so if we obey Christ, if we live out that faith, those very things preserve us and keep us from doing the stupid things that mess us up. And so what good is it to say we have that faith? Say, I believe Jesus saves me, but we never do any of the things that he's calling us to do that helps keep us safe. Does it make sense? Verse 15. So suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, man, I really hope they're not in Wisconsin, and say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? I love the simplicity and the real-life examples James is getting here. And, And how many of you struggled with that before? Where you're talking to someone and, and they're like, I gotta move tomorrow. Gotta be out. Don't have anyone to help me. <laughs> and there's like five of you all around, and like you got the one friend that just kind of like just casually acts like they didn't hear anything <laughs> and walks away. And then you've got someone else that right away is like, babe, we got something, we're busy, right? Right, right. And then we're like, man. 
good luck. We'll be praying. I hope you get somebody to help. You know, God's going to provide. God's going to provide someone to help you. I would, but I've I got this thing, you know, that uh, we never do that, do we? We never like that. We struggle. We struggle because our faith says, you know, I probably could record the game and go help them move. Our faith tells us that. That would be Jesus speaking. Us says, what? They're going to lose if I'm not there to cheer for them. Or whatever your example may be. God works, if you're taking notes, God works through people. So if it appears that God is not at work in a situation or a place in this world, the question isn't why isn't God doing anything? The question is who has yet to answer the call of God and do the work that needs to be done? God told me a long time ago, I can't get frustrated and mad at the problems in the world. I need to trust him and do something about it. I can't get frustrated and upset with the American church and Christianity. I have to do something about it. I have to be the difference. We have to be the difference. Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. Now he may be this may be a reference to um, some of Paul's letters that went out, and Paul said there's many giftings in the body, and some people have a gift of faith, and he and, uh, wasn't necessarily talking about this, and he was talking about, you know, you got the people that just, nothing's going to get them down. When you're facing something uh, major in your life or the church community, and everyone's like, I don't know if this is going to happen, you got the one crazy person saying, yes, it will, because God's awesome. You know, they're, they're, that, that, that the gift of faith is almost like spiritual cheerleading, kind of. A little bit, you're, you, you, you've got a little extra for those who don't, and you're bringing it to the party and helping, you're dishing out, saying, no, I got some faith here, you can have some of it. That's, that's what Paul's talking about. But some people might have taken that out of context and said, well, see, I've got a gift of faith. I believe God's going to do it through you. <laughs> right? I, I believe God's going to save me, but... You know, I just don't have the gift of being good. Some of us just think, well, that's just who I am. I believe God's going to save me. It's good, but that's just how I am. Someone else, do what's right. So this was going on. So James is, is or the author of James is saying, look, um, some people say I have faith. Others uh, have good deeds. But he corrects that. He says, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I love, I love uh, the book of James. It's just he's basically saying, you know what? Let's put our money where our mouths are. You say you love Jesus. I say I love Jesus. I'm going to prove it. Because what good is it to say we follow Christ if we don't do what Christ is calling us to do? How will the world know we actually trust and love Christ and what He's done for us if we don't actually? Do what he's calling us to do. 
That is how the world recognizes us, by our actions. So our actions don't put us in favor with God. It's a free gift that we receive that favor with God enables and empowers us to do the good deeds. And so if we're not doing the good deeds, then we have to ask ourselves, what kind of faith do we really have? Verse 17, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. What we do reveals what we value. What we do reveals what we value. If we do what God is calling us to do, it reveals to not only ourselves, but to the world, we value God. If we do only what I want to do, if I do only what I want to do, I'm revealing that I value me, myself, and I above the things of God. And that my life then becomes no different than anyone else in the world. It becomes indistinguishable. We are to live lives that are distinguishable. That, that set us apart. We are to be that city on a hill, that light shining. And when the world is dark, it is through our obedience to Christ, it's through our actions that we shine brightly. And if we don't shine brightly, light how many of you know when it's dark and it's scary, light gives hope? How are people going to know to come to that hope, which is Christ, if they do not see us shining? And to shine, we have to be different. True faith shapes our values. <clears throat> so what we do reveals what we value. And if we have true faith, if we are truly committed to Christ, that will shape our values. And I'm going to tell you, it's not a matter of, I believe in Jesus, now all of a sudden I want to do, and I so value everything that Christ has for me. That's not how it works. We are in process, and we are, we are stubborn, and we are selfish. So what happens sometimes is we get to Christ, and we're like, but I don't want to, God. I know, you, I love you, I trust you, but I don't want to do what you want me to do. We have a choice in that moment to choose to act out the faith we have in Christ, or to act out how we feel. If we act and we respond to this world based on just how we feel, we're often going to fail and not do those good deeds. We have to choose to do the good deeds, even though it's uncomfortable, because I guarantee you, I'm going to throw a little, little Jesus thing out there, it wasn't comfortable for him carrying your cross. Doing what is right is often difficult. So true faith is not a feeling, but a choice to live out God's values instead of my own. Verse 19, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. And he's re referencing Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's no God but God, your God. And that's the big thing they were supposed to um, understand when God's forming his people. Good for you. I love James. He's like, good for you. All right. You believe that. Then he says this, even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? 
In fact, uh, he was kind of throwing a little jab there. I feel like the author of James was basically saying, the demons know better than you do who God really is. That's why they're afraid. Because they are against him. And they know who he really is. There's this awe and this wonder. Even though they're on the bad side, there's still this, this awe like, whoa, that is God. And James is saying like, you say you believe in God, but are you like, that is God. And if you are saying that is God, then you should be living in such a way that it demonstrates that faith, that part of you that says, yes, this is my God. This is who I serve. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? See, Satan knows who Jesus is, but, but knowing who Jesus is is not the same as accepting the reality of who Jesus is. A lot of people know Jesus is the Son of God. A lot of people know he died and rose again. They believe it, but they haven't accepted it and surrendered to the authority. Just because you say someone's your king does not make them your king unless you submit to their authority. Otherwise, you are not a king, or you're not a sovereign part of their kingdom, but you are a in rebellion, you're an outsider. You may know the lifeguard shouting instructions and throwing a life vest to you. Imagine you fall into the river. You're one of those that decided, hey, it's a great time to go across the ice. And you fall through, and all of a sudden you see someone shows up, and they got the bright red suit, and, and they're shouting instructions, do this, do that. And they've got the life preserver, and they're throwing it out to you and telling you exactly how to survive and how to get to that life preserver. You know they're a lifeguard. You know they have what you need to survive. But unless you take hold of that life preserver, unless you follow their instructions, you're going to drown. That is what James is saying. He's saying God has given us his instructions. His Holy Spirit is guiding and directing us. We need to listen to it, put it into action. That faith within us, put it into action. Verse 21, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was, was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. If you don't know, there was a gentleman named Abraham in the Old Testament. He was the, the guy that all of God's people eventually came from his descendants and and uh, he was the one person God looked down at humanity and said, man, this guy's got faith. Everyone just kind of knew there was a God up there, and they trusted him, and, and he was one of the few that talked to God, and he didn't know much about God, and, but God came down and spoke to him and said, hey, I see that you actually have faith, meaning I see that you trust me, and you will do what I ask of you. And it was very common in that time frame for for other religions to sacrifice their kids, that would have not, we read this story and we're like, whoa, that's weird. It would not have been weird then, unfortunately. Um, but Abraham was such that he, this one kid, the one the child that God had promised him, that God gave to him, then God says, okay, I want you to sacrifice him for me now. Most of us would have stopped right there. But Abraham trusted God because he really knew the actual nature of God. He knew that God had best for him. He didn't know the answers, but he just trusted God. He had faith. So he put his faith into action, and he went up that hill, and he got ready to do the deed, and God stopped him and said, no, no, 
I'm going to provide the sacrifice. I'm going to be the one to make things right for you and your descendants. Why all these other false gods demand you give up, I'm going to be the one to actually give up for you. And God revealed his nature. But imagine if Abraham had not followed, even though it was difficult, even though it made him uncomfortable, I'm sure, because that was the one promise God gave him. If he had not followed through in obedience, if he had not put his faith into action, he would have missed experiencing that angel stopping his hand. He would have missed looking and seeing that ram stuck in the thickets that was that perfect sacrifice. He would have missed hearing the voice of God directly speak to him the prophetic words that we would wait thousands of years to experience. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. A friend is a friend because of what they do, not what they say. Abraham was called a friend of God because his words were backed by action. We can have a lot of people who can call us their friends. You know who your friends are when you're stranded on the side of the road at 3 in the morning. And you know who exactly. There's people I know, I can call them, and without a moment's hesitation, they're going to get out of bed, and they're going to come and get me. And I have people that know that they can call me, and I'm going to do the same, because that's what friends do. There's faith in that friendship. And so we can say we're somebody's friend, but unless we actually serve them, actually live out in action things that friends do, we're not a friend. Verse 26, or sorry, verse 25. Rahab the prostitute, this is a story in Joshua chapter 2, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I'm just going to gloss over. It's a great story in Joshua chapter 2. Let's focus on verse 26 here. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I'm not a doctor. I've never played one on TV yet. But I'm pretty sure if a person's not breathing, life diminishes, right? The body needs that oxygen to keep the cells and everything going. Doing what God calls us to do is like breathing life into our faith. If we don't actively inhale the Spirit of God, our faith will die. So we, God has given us His Son. We have faith in Him. And He's got things He's called us to do, way to, we're to live like Christ. He's speaking to us, calling us into action in our lives to, on mission to reach this world. And as, even though we don't feel like it, as we choose to do what God's calling us to do, His Holy Spirit is there with us. And as if we're inhaling, we're breathing in God. We're breathing in His blessings. We're breathing in His Spirit. And and our faith is strengthened. If we wait until 
our faith feels strong to do what God calls us to do, we're never going to do it, and our faith is never going to get stronger. Our faith gets stronger after we put it into action. Our faith builds and becomes more solidified as we put it into practice. There's times in my own personal life where I said, I trust God. I believe he's my provider. But then those times happen when you have to actually trust him. And you have no clue what you're going to do with your life. You have no clue where resources are going to come from. And in that moment... Your faith starts flickering a little bit. Kind of like there's a short circuit. Like you got this bright light. It's like, yes, I trust God. And then all of a sudden, life gets difficult. It's like, and the light starts flickering. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I trust God. And then we get to a place where we have choices. And we can choose whether to trust God Or to trust ourselves. And I've experienced firsthand in my life that as I chose to trust God, He never once let me down. I've lost track of how many times I've let myself down. How many of you have let yourself down a few times? Eventually, I started realizing God's never let me down. I've let him and myself and other people down. Maybe I should just enact the faith I have, I say I have, and trust him. Even when I don't feel like it. Because he's proven himself worthy. And you know what? He proves himself again. And my faith becomes stronger and it becomes stronger. We become people of faith, not by getting goosebumps and feeling, oh, yay. We become people of faith by living out with determination and steadfast resolve the ordinances and the calls of God in our lives. God is calling us to walk in obedience to what his word has spoken to us. He is calling us to live in obedience to that unction and the leading of the Holy Spirit within our daily lives. And as we do that, we're going to see our faith not only raise up, but the world around us is going to see a faith. They're not going to necessarily just hear a faith, but they're going to see a faith that they're going to then want to hear about. Here's our reflection questions for today. Is my faith fully in Christ? And you can take these and write them down and, and I'll post these later. You can re-listen to the message. But I want us to ask, is my faith fully in Christ? Because my, my faith is not fully in Christ. I need, I need to get it there. What that means is 
How are my actions? Are they proving that my faith is really in Christ or in myself or in the things of this world? And ask God to help us with those questions. And not, and this is, don't be afraid, God's not going to come in and just bam and, and hammer you and make you feel bad. This is, we get blind spots. We get distracted. We need to stop and let the Holy Spirit, let God recalibrate us and repent and say, God, I'm sorry, and bring us. So is my faith fully in Christ? Just a simple question. To how has God used someone else to bring a miracle or be Christ's working hands in my life? Write that down and think about it. See, God, what ways have other people been an extension of you, have been those miracles in my life? And what that does is that encourages and helps us realize and remember God works through people. And to give God thanks, because he was faithful. And thank God for those other people. And if you need to, go back and thank those people for being obedient and living out their faith. We're to encourage one another. Third question, what next step or action of faith is God calling me to take in my life right now? 